2: Welcome to the Inner Growth Podcast. I'm so grateful you're here today and I hope you've been watering yourself and taking care of yourself. And if you're new to the podcast, welcome. I'm so excited for today's episode because I was able to bring on April Whitney to the podcast. And April is someone who I really admire and who really inspires me and who I've personally learned a lot from. She's a retired pro fencer, a certified nutritionist and personal trainer, and she's also the founder and CEO of Petite Power. What well, Petite Power is, it's a leading online health and fitness community and platform tailored specifically for women who are five foot four and shorter, aka Petite Women. And through Petite Power, her app, and the coaching program, which is called Petite Premium, April and her team of registered dietitians, accountability coaches, and personal trainers help short women lose body fat, and ultimately just get stronger so that they can feel powerful in their shorter frames. And I came across April's content a few months ago and I instantly connected to it. I myself am 5'3", so I'm a short woman. I am petite. And I had never come across anyone in the fitness and wellness space that was talking specifically to petite women. So if you're a petite woman, if you're 5'4", or shorter, this episode's for you. But it also is such an informative episode in terms of nutrition and fitness. So even if you're not under 5'4", you can still learn a lot from this conversation and also understand your petite friends on a deeper level. So in this episode, April and I started off just talking a little bit about her own inner growth journey. So healing her relationship to her body and learning to work with her body. And what I really admire about April's method is that it really anchors in on bioindividuality, Right. Bioindividuality individuality really means that we're all different. And by owning and accepting your unique body shape, height, et cetera, you can start working with it instead of against it. So then we dove into what metabolism is and how petite bodies are different and unique. What is body recomposition? Why is lifting weights important? And why is protein specifically important nutritionally for petites and for all of us? And we also dove into how to find balance between living your life and hitting your goals between counting macros but also eating intuitively and living more intuitively so you're in for a treat you're in for a juicy and informative and educational conversation and I can't wait for you to listen so with that said I'm going to keep the intro short and sweet just like petites and I will see you on the other side let's get growing (laughs) I'm so excited for today's conversation. I'm here today with April Whitney. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here today. Yay, amazing. The first question I always ask anyone who comes on the show is, what's your big three in astrology, if you know? So like your sun, moon, and rising. Okay. I feel like I know this, but I'm just blocking out right now. Okay, I'm Capricorn, Capricorn,
1: rising, Aries, sun, and Aries, moon, double Aries.
2: New you know, moon baby. yeah. Did you know that? That you were born on a new moon? I did, but I can't say I know totally what that means. It's when your sun and your moon are the same. Oh, oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, But oh my God, the Aries makes so much sense. That's you an- <laughs> I'm an Aries rising. Oh, nice. So, yeah, I feel like I've been meeting a lot of Aries girls and I don't know too many Aries women. Like pri- I haven't known too many Aries women prior to the last couple months so it's been cool because I've that in this new season of the podcast you're the third Aries guest that I'm already bringing on so I love that because Aries is super tied to fitness to movement to taking action to like being an entrepreneur and also being an initiator and like action taker and then the Capricorn too is like so determined and so like let's build this let's make it an empire let's persist (laughs) and I totally see that like in in you and in the content that you share well thank you
1: same to you. I've always wanted an Aries bestie but I've never had like a female Aries bestie so
2: I love it oh my gosh amazing so before we dive in could you also just share a little bit about you and your own inner growth journey we were talking a little bit before we started recording but I would love to kind of hear you share how you almost like alchemized being an ex pro fencer and struggling with your body in the past to now building this community to getting certified as a nutritionist and a fitness trainer and essentially building what you built. So could you just tell the the story and the journey?
1: Yeah, I'd love to. So I was a competitive fencer for 18 years. I was on the Olympic track. I was trying to go to Tokyo. That was the one I was aiming for. Um, And around the time that I was really competing uh, in my adult life. So I graduated from Cornell and I went into a corporate job in Manhattan and uh, I hated my corporate job. So I was like, I got to go back to fencing, kind of like I was going to retire, but I went back into it. And so I was Mm -hmm. on the weekends flying to Europe literally for three days fencing in world cups, coming back to my job training, like before my work going to Manhattan working and then training after work. It was crazy. Like it was a crazy time. And on top of that, um, what really kind of ties into building petite power. And if anyone's listening to this and knows the company smalletics, we used to be called smalletics. Now we're petite power. Um, I really struggled with my body image. Like I was working out an insane amount of hours per day. Um, I had my whole life, yet I still had a body that I felt like I just felt lesser than. I was caught in like the mental comparison traps. Like my competitors were literally getting like Nike and Adidas sponsorships. They were on billboards in Times Square, and my club was in Times Square. So I'd like walk outside and see my teammates, which I, I, to be my best self, I would want to just celebrate that. But I had some lack in me at the time. Like I wish I had that thing, or I felt like I didn't have that thing. And I wasn't getting those opportunities felt like I didn't look the part I wasn't, you know, enough, whether it was like skinny enough or fit enough, or, you know, I often looked to my body and was like, okay, something's not, I don't feel like I'm enough. Um, And on top of that, in the corporate world, just being petite, I felt like I needed to wear heels every day. I felt like I needed to look hot at my job. I worked in pharmaceutical advertising. It was very classic ad, like kind of like Mad Men, like it was like Mm -hmm. male driven. You definitely got further along if you were hot and just like played the part. And I hated everything about that. But I think those were some of the factors when I was in my young twenties, it started to drive me to um, some unhealthy habits with eating and exercise. And that's when I fell into like, the on top of my fencing training, like the crazy amounts of cardio, like waking up and running, you know, six miles on an empty stomach and then skipping breakfast and then eating just a salad for lunch. And then dinner, I would binge eat, right? Cause at that point you're like starving, you're ravenous. I would like yeah. eat whatever, even if it was healthy food in the kitchen and then end up feeling guilty, blaming myself. Um, this was how the cycle started. So it, it started like that and it went on for many years Um, college through my early 20s. And then um, there was sort of a moment where I, I, I've told the story in a few other places, but I was at a beach trip and I saw a photo of me and I was like so miserable at this beach trip. Like I had trained so hard for it. I felt like I was bloated. I was inflamed. I didn't like for all this work I was putting in the starvation, the cardio, it wasn't working. And I threw everything I knew, I thought I knew about diet and exercise out the window. And I was like, screw this. I am going to change everything. I'm going to go start lifting weights. I'm going to learn about the science of my body. I'm going to like do do something different. Something needs to change. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started- um, getting super into fitness and, uh, got my personal training certification before I even knew I was going to create company. I did, um, also got into nutrition and I changed everything about my routines, started lifting heavy weights. Um, and I went through a pretty quick body recomposition where I lost a lot of fat. I gained muscle in 12 weeks. I was like the first body comp I did. And when I went through that and I saw the photos and I saw the change in my life and how much fuller I felt happier, I was eating more. I understood what I was eating. I was like, wow, this was a very powerful transformation from the inside out. And I was still working in pharmaceuticals. And so I had access to all these like scientific papers and research and doctors. And I went to them and I was like, is there any reason why, like, here's the plan I've been doing. Is there any reason why this worked so well for me? And my, colleagues started talking about well your metabolism is this, your metabolism that you're short your metabolism slower you happen to like start training in the exact way you needed to to really make meaningful change and blah 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 and it, the gear started turning i was like oh my gosh this is really cool <laughs> and yeah. that was the very beginnings and like the seed was planted from there that there's something different about the short body type the petite body type and nobody knows about it we're killing ourselves trying to look like women you know on the cover of magazines that have been photoshopped first of all but second of all are like really long legs and skinny and we think doing cardio and ab workouts is going to produce that result when it's really kind of the opposite so those were like the beginnings.
2: wow oh my god thank you so much for running through that i love hearing your story i've heard it on your youtube videos and i've seen it on your content but hearing it directly from you was just extra special just now and i think that you are really helping so many people out there because being a petite, myself included, is very different. And I never thought about my body in that way until I found your content on YouTube. And I really want to dive further into that. But before I do that, I also want to just emphasize a few things that you mentioned, especially the fact that, you know, way back when there was this root of, I don't feel like I'm enough and I'm fighting my own body. And then there was this light bulb moment, right? Where you were like at this beach trip and you basically realized or decided this is not working anymore. I'm tired of this. But how did you know to go to, for example, weightlifting? Had you already like kind of heard about it? What was that moment, like that light bulb moment that you experienced? Let's dive into that a little more.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I think I had been influenced by Instagram for sure. This was twenty. 14 to 2016 it was the era where like fitness was just starting like weight training for women was just starting to become a thing it was like the bikini body guide movement before that was the sweat app like it was the early days and I started seeing more of these women strength training around Um, it definitely wasn't like totally mainstream yet. Um, and then also my fellow athletes, um, they were weight training and I was weight training, but I hadn't done weight training seriously. Like I hadn't tried bodybuilding or like, really, I was doing like stuff that would help my athleticism. Um, but I think it was like, huh, like what would be the opposite of what I'm doing now? It would be trying to build muscle instead of trying to constantly be smaller and lose, lose, lose. And and I think that was where I was like, well, completely changing it would mean doing the opposite. And this is pretty much, this would be the
2: opposite. Gotcha. Okay. So a combination of already having like seeds planted from content on the internet, on Instagram, on like YouTube, on blogs, things like that. But then also being in this athletic environment and having seen maybe what other people were doing that maybe you weren't doing. Right. And I think that also in my eyes was from this place of self-accountability, right? And being like, what am I doing? Is it helping me? Is it not helping me? And how can I do something different to actually see a change?
1: Yes. I mean, that is it. It's a self-awareness. I did over 56 weeks of that uh, bikini body guide, the what's now the Sweat app. And I don't know how I got through it. Cause it's like hit workouts every day. But after a year I was, I felt like crap, like on the inside, I was like, you know what, what would just make me feel good? Like forget even trying to get the body. I think I want, like what would feel good. And lifting weights and getting stronger and seeing my body do things I couldn't do before was also a huge part of it. It was like, kind of let go of the results for a bit. I was like, all right,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: I give up like surrender. Like what, (laughs) what, what else can I try?
2: Yeah. I think that's beautiful. And I actually had a moment like that earlier this year where I wanted to get back into fitness. I kind of lost touch with it because I was traveling a lot and I didn't have a routine and I wanted to get back in touch with exercise and taking care of my physical body. And I remember in my mind, and I think I shared this in a podcast episode back then too, was I didn't care about getting the results next week. I didn't care about getting the results immediately, which is what causes a lot of the extremes. I was like, I want to build something sustainable that's going to feel good for my body. And that's going to help me achieve those results that can last a long time and that I can continue doing this routine and continue seeing results and continue being consistent because it's not like breaking me and causing me to burn out.
1: Absolutely. I think that's a key. It's often in our programs. It's funny because we really advocate for sustainability. We don't, we're not like a quick fix type of team and women always come to us. It's probably the way I talk on YouTube and stuff, but people always come to us and they're like, okay, that's it. I've tried everything and I'm just ready to do this sustainably. And I'm like, you have come to the right place. (laughs) Like everyone ends up at that point after they've gone through the gamut of like all of the crap that's being marketed to us. And everyone ends in the same place, which is like, I need something that's sustainable. It's going to actually serve me and fill me up over the next, you know, through the rest of my life and not just get me to fit into the stress this weekend or whatever.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I think sustainability is so important in everything. And as a recovering perfectionist, finding sustainable habits has been so important so that I can let go of this all or nothing mindset. And it's something I work a lot on with my clients or with people who come to me is helping people find these things that aren't going to burn them out and cause them to let go and then get mad at themselves and fall into this cycle uh, of self-sabotage. So... Something I also want to clarify, just for anyone listening who doesn't know what this means, can you explain what body recomposition really is?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So basically, your body composition is made up of your fat and your muscle. Also, you have bones that contribute to your weight. The number on the scale is like the old way in my mind that we've referred to are like how good, it, you know, like how much do you weigh? And it's like your, the weight, the number on the scale is looking at everything. It doesn't tell you how much fat you have or how much muscle you have, how healthy you are. Um, you know, if you're happy, like a lot of things, it obviously doesn't Mm -hmm. tell, but when we talk about body recomp, we're not looking at the scale so much. We're looking at your fat to muscle ratio, because you could be 130 pounds and look completely different with a different ratio of fat or muscle. Um, so it's not always the number on the scale that people need to change. It's more, maybe you need to build a little bit of muscle and lose a bit, a little bit of fat. And now you have a completely different physique, a different body shape. Um, you're also more functionally fit with more muscle. And this is in very important to petite women because the more muscle you build, the more fat you will burn sustainably over a long period of time. So a lot of people are like, I just want to lose fat. I want to build muscle. And it's like, it's educating on, okay, I know you want that, but in order to do that, you also have to build some muscle so we can raise that metabolism and we can get you burning more calories all the time, burning fat, uh, around the clock. And, um, that's why like lifting weights is, is much, it's proven to be much more, um, results driven or it helps you actually build muscle and burn calories over time versus cardio, which is like borrowing results. It's not investing. You're like borrowing. You're burning calories while you're on the treadmill. And if you stop tomorrow, you will gain the weight back. So, um, yeah, it's
2: that fat to muscle. And I think the, the weightlifting is what creates those sustainable results because it builds on itself. So those are actually my next questions, which were how does metabolism work? And then how does a petite metabolism work differently than everyone else's? And then how does muscle training and strength training tie into that and help you speed your metabolism? I know the answer somewhat, but I think a lot of people out there don't. So speak your truth and tell the truth. Please. Yeah, I feel like you're
1: asking the exact right so, Um Yeah, so. Uh, what is metabolism? Okay, so I have to start by saying that I have a science background, but I'm not a medical professional. I'm a certified personal trainer and nutritionist. So when people throw the word metabolism around, it's often to me like a little yellow flag. Like people really, it's a very complicated process. But to make it yes. very simple, it's <laughs> literally you can think of it as like the number of calories your body burns in a day. That's an oversimplification, but it's essentially like all of your organs and everything that's working to keep you alive. It requires energy. Those calories it burns in the day is going to change depending on a million factors, lifestyle, age, height, height is one of them, of course, weight, um, hormones, all these things. So Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. petite women, the science shows that because we have smaller organs overall, and we also have less lean body mass, so less muscle mass than taller people, we naturally have slower metabolisms, which is not a bad thing. It just means that we're more efficient proportionate to our height, we are smaller, shorter, we have, you know, small organs and we're burning less calories in a day. And the only way you can actually increase your resting metabolism is through building muscle. And the reason why that is, is because muscle burns more calories when you're at rest than anything else. So if you add muscle to your body, which is lean body mass, you increase your lean body mass, you will burn more calories at rest, throughout the day, when you're sleeping, as you're going on about your life and the, that extra muscle, because it requires so much energy to maintain it. It's just going to be burning at your fat reserves as you go through your day. So just by having a higher composition of fat in your body, sorry, muscle in your body, you're going to be chipping away at those fat, those fat deposits. Um, So it's like a really great, it's really important to, to build muscle. And so the third question of that was um, why is lifting weights important? Because lifting weights, is the only way to build muscle progressively. Yes, you can do body weight exercises. Yes, you can do Pilates, but after one to two months, um, it's going to be hard to have the stimulus you need in terms of the weight, the load that you're applying to your body to keep building muscle and increasing the size of your muscle fibers. So it's real those those types of activities are fantastic. They're good, they're healthy, but if you want to see that real progression, you have to increase the weights and that's called progressive overload. You add weights to your practice, you increase that difficulty level. You're going to be able to keep building muscle. Um so mm-hmm. weights are an integral part of being able to build the the muscle fibers.
2: Perfect. Yeah, that was super helpful. And I think that Also, as you said, metabolism is so complicated in itself. And I think that, you know, there's a lot of other stuff that goes into it too, like the liver and the hormone piece too that you mentioned. And there's all these other things. And this is more so focused on how weightlifting ties into your metabolism and improving your metabolism for someone who's shorter and therefore has a smaller height, smaller organs. And it's just like the physicality element, right? Like the more, more the just like straight fats. But one question or two questions I have is if anyone's listening and isn't a petite, does this change or would it still be the case for them? Like when it comes to finding that strength as a woman and feeling strong in your body and growing your like muscles basically and achieving your fitness goals.
1: Yeah, great question. So, all of these things that we're talking about are true for taller people too. The difference is that taller people can lose weight easier and they can lose weight with other modalities like cardio or Pilates, or they can slightly restrict their caloric intake because they're already able to eat more than shorter people. Basically, they're going to have an easier time getting the results that we want to get without resorting to like weight training or, you know, they have more options. They can eat more food in a day. Um, they respond better to cardio generally, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, so yes, weight training is totally recommended for basically everyone. In my opinion, it's really important, but for petite women specifically, it's extra, extra important, um, because of our unique situations with our metabolisms and also because We do not eat enough calories in a day. We don't have fast enough metabolisms to go on diets. And a lot of petite women, they make this mistake. They're like, "Oh, I'll just diet," and it's like, "Well, girl, you're already eating 1,200 calories a day. Like, where are you going to go from there? You can't. It's like if you
2: eat any less than that, you're going to be extremely hungry and undernourished. That and it leads to like the skinny fat phenomenon, which is
1: literally just restricted binge. Yeah. You lose your muscle mass because you're not eating enough to maintain it. And now you have more fat, less muscle and, and you're stuck in these horrible, it, it really erodes at your self-love, your mindset, you know, the scarcity that comes with all that. So yeah, it's, it's not yeah. just, but it's also like from a nutrition standpoint, we can't just do the traditional diet and exercise approach.
2: Let's dive into that a little bit. Cause what caught my attention was when you said you have to eat enough to maintain the muscle. And this is where protein comes in. And I really want to have a conversation about this. Just a little side note, though, for anyone listening, ever since following April, ever since following, I literally have (laughs) evolved so much in my fitness journey and I feel so good. Like I started to weight train like four times a week, usually in the end of my cycle. It's a little bit harder for me. So I usually go on more walks or I'll go to a class and like it's 10 days, but for pretty much the whole first half of my cycle, I'm like lifting weights. I started lifting in September and now we're in November and I now can lift like 15 pounds with both arms like comfortably. And I could not lift like 10 even.
1: Oh my God, I am stoked to hear this. That's awesome. I love it. I just am so like excited to hear you've applied some of this stuff already. Yeah. Oh my God, no, it's
2: changed my life fully. And, And also for anyone listening, who doesn't know petite basically means less than five, four, right? Yeah. Anybody.
1: Yeah. Any weight, any shape, any size, just the height we're talking about.
2: Okay. Perfect. So can we dive into protein a little bit and then also like the eating to maintain your muscle element? Yes.
1: So just to tackle that really quick. So like I said earlier, muscle requires more energy to maintain than fat, which just means that like, if you're eating less on a diet, you're basically signaling to your body, Hey, like drop the muscle because we can't afford it right now. Like we're not eating enough to maintain it because it requires more calories to keep on board. Um, like your body has to allocate more of its energy to muscle just to keep it alive, pump blood to it. Yeah. All that stuff. So, um, we need to eat more to keep the muscle. And then we need to eat even more than that to actually build the muscle. Um, and fat doesn't work like that. Fat is going to be there, you know, either way. So, Mm -hmm. um, that kind of does that like kind of tackle that question there's this also a second question you had
2: so essentially what i understand is that if we're not eating enough let's say like the typical eat less than 1200 calories mentality then you're putting your body almost on fight or flight right and your body's kind of freaking out and i just want to clarify how it ties into the muscle because you said yeah. it needs more to maintain yeah. so okay yes yeah. so
1: Exactly. Like when you go on that deficit, that calorie deficit, and it's very extreme. And for petite women, that's going to be even more extreme because it's usually under a thousand calories when we do those online calorie calculators and stuff. That's it's, it's just a stupid algorithm. So it'll be like, oh, eat less than a thousand for our height. Um, our, yeah. It's signaling to our body, hey, we don't have enough energy to build yet, let alone keep the muscle we have. So you start to lose muscle mass and hold on to fat as your form of energy. Um, and protein intake is really important because even if you decide to do like a slight deficit or like a maintenance phase where you're eating the same number of calories, if you can just change how much protein you're eating, you're going to see much more maintenance in terms of like maintaining your muscle and then also helping you to build muscle because Facts. those amino
0: acids,
1: <laughs> yeah. Amino acids are protein. Those are the building blocks of muscle. Your muscles cannot build without the, those amino acids, all the essential ones. Um, and so increasing that protein take, getting like, like to make it really easy, I'd say aim for over hundred grams a day. That's about like 30 grams per meal per day. Mm-hmm. Like that's like four ounces of, of meat in each meal, or it doesn't have to be meat, but Um, Would that be like
2: a hand, like the size of your hand?
1: Yeah. Like the palm three to four ounces. Um, If you can aim for that, that's good. If you want to get more granular, we're looking at about 0.8 to one gram of protein per pound of body weight. So like almost equal parts. Like if you're 130 pounds, you'd aim to eat 130 grams of protein per day. And then this is specific to short women. If you're over about 135 pounds I would recommend capping your protein intake around 135 because you have to allocate calories to your fats and your carbohydrates. If you eat more protein, you'll probably overeat because you'll still be eating fats and carbs. And then now you'll be in a surplus and likely gain weight that you don't want to. So
2: I would cap it there. Yeah. And I think a question a lot of women have and when they hear, oh my God, 100 grams of protein feels really overwhelming. So can you give like an example day in your life of how you would hit those protein goals. Yeah,
1: I'd love to. Okay. Um, There's infinite ways, but what I like to do is uh, I could have, you could have like a protein oats in the morning. So that's when you make oatmeal and you mix in like a high quality protein powder into that. That's off the bat. Like, and you know, you add some healthy fats, some chia seeds, some hemp hearts, um, some... you know, peanut butter, if you want stuff like that. And you can get about 30 grams of protein off the bat to start your day breakfast, really important to start with protein because it regulates your blood sugar levels the rest of the day. Um, then lunch, you could do, this is, this is unconventional, but I like to have eggs for lunch. So I'll have like eggs and avocado eggs and avocado toast for lunch. Um, a really big hack is to use egg whites just because they have, it helps add more protein content to the eggs because the yolks are fat, but the whites are protein, um, and then and for you can make both,
2: right? Like you could have like, what I've been doing is like two eggs and then adding like one serving of egg whites.
1: Yeah, exactly what I do too. Just, you just add it into the same pan. It's like an egg, cracked egg, and then egg whites. Um, and those are like the liquid carton egg whites mm-hmm. for anyone who doesn't know what that is. And then, um, snack, I always like to recommend like a yogurt of some kind. You can do like a Greek yogurt, parfait. Um, If you're not into that, you can do like a chia seed um pudding that you make overnight with almond milk, um, basically just again, making sure your snack is protein forward. So the yogurt will have a good amount of protein in it. And then for dinner, I mean, dinner is like the easiest one, I think, because it's easy to do really simple meals where you have like a main protein, like, um you know, a piece of salmon or like chicken thighs or something. And then you, you know, have your vegetables and your like potatoes, carbs, whatever else on the plate. Um, so it's actually not that hard when you break it down, but if you can center all your meals around a protein, like whenever you start sit down to eat a meal, like ask yourself, like, is the main portion on this plate protein? And if you can't answer that question, then you start to learn what is a protein, what foods are, have protein in them. It's like quick Google search. So it's like almost that self-awareness you talked about, like opening up your mind to learning about your food, what's in them, and are you getting enough of
2: the important ones? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Thank you. That was amazing. And I already kind of knew it based on your YouTube, but (laughs) I love it. And very similar to how I eat, though I don't do the eggs for lunch frequently. But other snacks that I found have worked really well for protein is like turkey slices with like cottage cheese in them, Or you can do like chomps, which is these like, like jerky kind of of turkey and like beef and stuff like that. And I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Yeah, I feel like that's like pretty much it. But another question I have is about the amino acids and the proteins that actually help build your muscle and the ones without amino acids. So do proteins that don't have the essential amino acids help you build muscle And then can you give some examples of proteins that wouldn't have amino acids? Yeah. So it's not animal protein, right?
1: No, that you can. So what you're talking about is an incomplete versus a complete protein. Incomplete protein still has amino acids. It just doesn't have all of the essential amino acids that categorize it as a quote unquote complete protein. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. Also, I will like to say here at this point we're now entering the territory of what I like to call majoring in the minors where like these things (laughs) don't matter. So like anyone who's listening, who's like, oh shit, I know nothing. And now I'm so overwhelmed. And now I need to Google like all of these things, like a complete what's in Like it literally, it's, it's really great to stay educated and talk about these things. But I also would like to emphasize that you don't have to worry so much about this. Um, Uh, because it will become so confusing and it's like a non, it will keep you from starting at all. So um, this stuff doesn't matter that much. Um, But to answer your question, an example of an incomplete protein that surprises people is collagen is actually not a complete protein. It doesn't have all of the essential amino acids. Does that mean that it does not count towards your protein intake to me? No, it still Mm -hmm. is going to count. Some people will say be a stickler on it, but like, these are not the things that keep people from building muscle, like worrying about these things. The things that people should worry about are lifting weights progressively, their sleep, their stress levels and their protein intake and their overall calorie intake. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's good to know this stuff. Also, we don't want to get too hung up on the scary stuff, you know? Yeah,
2: exactly. And one thing I want to, ask you as well is i think a lot of women in my community or i i know a lot of women in my community have struggled with their body image have struggled with an eating disorder disordered eating or just having a tough relationship with food and exercise so with that in mind what words of advice would you have to give given the context of everything that we're talking about to someone who has that type of background
1: yeah, I will say I'm not qualified to speak on eating disorders mm-hmm. but from speaking from my own experiences I never was diagnosed with binge eating but I can tell you right now I definitely struggled with binge eating mm-hmm. uh not not um not throwing up but just overeating yeah. large amounts of calories after a, restri- a cycle or a phase of res- severe restriction um and I've read a lot on this and I think the the things that have resonated with me and this is like my own journey and it's going to be different for everybody but First of all like therapy helped a lot not not to change my behaviors but to begin this conversation of like forgiveness because i found yeah. for me there's like this heavy feeling of like self-hatred and guilt and denial and shame shame and guilt always, same yes i always binged in private no one ever saw me do it like no one would ever know it was a private thing no one would know by looking at me no one would know like so there's that shame like you do it behind closed doors it feels Awful. You punish yourself for doing it. So for me, one of the biggest things that I still have to practice is like self-forgiveness, like forgive yourself for those things. Um so and for you your
2: imperfections, off. right? For not knowing yeah. in that time. Yeah. For not knowing more or for falling to those
1: habits. Absolutely. And the second thing that helped me a lot was um I used to think it was something I could treat through therapy, like cognitive behavioral therapy. And I, it never worked for me that way. Like it just, it helped me work through the emotions, but didn't help me stop the behaviors. And uh, it wasn't until I read a book called brain over binge, which essentially is a, it's a book that treats binge eating like an addiction rather than a problem with you emotionally. So it's like, it's not about some like you know, a tragic thing that happened in your childhood. This is like, you've created a cycle, a pleasure loop in your brain, and it's now an addiction and you have these thoughts and compulsions that re- resemble alcoholism, smoking, like actual substance abuse, um, And when I read that book, it actually changed my entire perspective on what I was struggling with. And it helped me release myself from this idea that, oh, like there's something wrong with me that I have an eating disorder that I I didn't, I'm not sure today if I had a clinical one, but you know, that I was struggling with my Mm -hmm. relationship with food. And I was able to then just focus on the accountability of my actions. Like I'm doing this to myself and that's okay. I've forgiven myself, but how do we break these cycles? The What can I do to replace this feeling that I get that feels so good when I'm in one of those binges and then holding myself accountable to them and, and breaking that cycle? So everybody's mm-hmm. journey looks so different. And we, in our programs, we work with women who have histories of eating disorders. It's probably over 60% of our clients just like really rampant in our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think everybody's journey looks so different and so personal and, and um, yeah, so yeah. personal.
2: Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's like amazing advice. And it's what I, I anchor in on a lot as well, which is the power of self-forgiveness and the power of self-accountability, right? Knowing how am I showing up? Like actually looking at your life and seeing how am I showing up? What can I be accountable for? And what can I take responsibility for? Because when you are able to look at it dead in the eye and just be like, this is how I'm showing up, then you're able to change for the better and improve. But then also forgiving yourself if you made mistakes or if you didn't hit this ideal of perfection that you had in your mind, right? It's forgiving yourself. And I think that's so big. So love that a lot. And with that in mind too, something that I remember when I started learning about muscle and training and all of this was with counting the macros, right? Because Mm -hmm. Sometimes for you to, or most times for you to know how many grams of protein you're eating, you have to download a like MyFitnessPal type app so you can log it and so you can actually know. But then for a lot of women, at least a lot of women I know too, this wasn't the case as much for me personally, but using those apps and seeing the calories and getting really hung up on that created the disordered behaviors. So I think you've made a video about Switching from counting macros to intuitive eating. And I think it's something you weave into your program as well. So could you just share a little bit about that? You know, how can someone who has struggled with that in the past still hit their goals with protein, with going to the gym and and not get like hung up on it?
1: yeah i will say so on our team we have uh, about five registered dietitians meaning they're medical professionals and a lot of times like in my realm of like i do nutrition coaching for body composition changes, but a lot of dietitians do nutrition coaching for like relationship with food and actual, you know, health, getting the nutrients you need. Um, we have a blend. So, and with us, you can either track macros. If you're ready for that, you have to be in a good place for that. Um, or you can go the intuitive route and we teach both methods. Um, and I say this to say that if there's a coach that you're following on Instagram or like someone is preaching like one way of doing it. That is a a big red flag. Like there's no one right way to like build and work on your relationship with food or eat. And you don't have to track macros to get results. I think a lot of people feel pressure to count. Um, But uh, if you're in a place where you're not triggered and you can do it, it's a really amazing education tool. And I don't think it's ever meant to be a lifestyle. I think that's where we get in trouble is like people track for like every like as their life and it's not a lifestyle it's a tool so it's like how do we use this tool responsibly and it's in my opinion you know doing food journaling checking in and like you said staying accountable what am I eating Um, and really taking control of like being aware of what you're eating so that you can make better choices not necessarily so that you track every choice and that you write it down or keep track of everything forever but you know, do it once or twice for a couple of days, maybe a week. And then what did you learn from that? And how can we now fold those learnings into a new way of eating that's going to serve you and your highest self so you can feel your best. And I feel like that's the most important takeaway, but that's hard to do alone. Like, honestly, that is really, I have coaches too. Like it's, it's helpful to have someone with you looking through your food journal and talking you through this and like looking at what can we change and analyzing it. So it is, I get it. It's a hard process to do alone and it's very confusing.
2: Yeah. For sure. And I think, you know, on my journey as as well, sharing openly when I first started weight training and tracking protein in the beginning, I was logging, but then now like, I kind of have an awareness of it. So I don't even worry about it. Like it's, I've, I was able to move from getting just an idea of like, how much protein does this amount of meat have? Or how much protein does this tofu block have? And a lot of the times, like, for, for example, tofu block, you can literally just look on the nutrition label, and yeah, you get an idea. So it can be intuitive like that. And then, as you said, aiming for around thirty. So if a tofu block has fifteen, then what else could you add, maybe to increase your protein just a little bit more in that meal? So little, yeah, little hacks like that. I feel like are powerful.
0: Definitely. And I also Definitely.
2: think it's so important to normalize that coaches have coaches. Yeah, <laughs> right. Totally. I love that. <laughs> yeah. and I know you made a YouTube video about this, and you mentioned in your stories recently about switching to more intuitive eating on your own personal journey. So could you yeah. share a little bit about that? I'm curious. Yeah. To hear. yeah. So I tracked,
1: uh, for at least six years, um, on and off, not all the time. And it didn't mean I tracked, like I would still drink alcohol once in a while. I would have dessert. Like it didn't necessarily mean every, I tracked every little thing, but I, I went through some phases where I was very much tracked every little thing as well. And it didn't trigger me. Uh, I never really struggled with that. Um, but when I, so I recently moved from Brooklyn, from Williamsburg, Brooklyn to Texas, to Austin, Texas. And uh, my life has changed a lot. Like the lifestyle here is different. Um, I'm in a new relationship. I have different friends. I have a different place where I work. Like everything's everything different. <laughs> yeah. I like woke up and I'm like, whoa, I drive a car now. Like who am I? I haven't driven <laughs> in 15 years. Um, so I think I like in the beginning when I first moved, this is why I transition so it was unintentional and ended up being a really good thing but I first moved here I had no place to live because my I had a lease but my truck with all my stuff was coming two and a half weeks after I moved here it's just that's how the cross-country situation works so I was Mm -hmm. staying with my boyfriend for two and a half weeks and um he didn't have a scale and like he doesn't track and it's it just like you know, wasn't a thing for me. And I I didn't feel like I needed to. I was like, I can go two and a half weeks. Like I know, I know what's like you said, I know what's in my food by now. Like I don't actually need that. It's just like a fun, like once in a while. So I just stopped. I was eyeballing stuff, um, eating out a lot. Um, and I actually started to feel, a new feeling of just kind of freedom and oh, i just i was like, going to say like surrender a little bit yeah i was like you know what i also started to lose weight which i never would have expected um it could have been for a multitude of factors but i was i was losing weight without trying Not that that's always a good thing um but i didn't feel like i was hungry or stuffed or like looking at my plan for the week i was it was eating and getting very in tune with my body in a way that i hadn't had to in years because i used to yeah. just know like okay, I'll eat this amount. And I was like, wait, did I get enough? I was like, ask myself questions. I was like, was that enough? Do I need more? Am I full? And I was like, oh shit, these are like great questions to ask yourself. Yeah, and and, the, and it got me more, I like built this connection with myself that felt like a nice thing to do in a new place and like establishing a new routine. And so then when I moved into my apartment, I just decided to keep it going. I was like, you know what? This is kind of nice. Yeah, let's roll with it. Let's go. Yeah, so it just, uh, that brings me to here. It's been like uh, six months or something or five months and I'm still, I'm just eating intuitively.
2: Yeah, I feel yeah. like that's good too because it was an organic change. It didn't happen forcefully. It wasn't stressful. It was just, boom, like it just kind of happened and you rolled with it. And I'm glad that it's been empowering and has given you this freedom feeling that is so awesome and I think it's really really great and one thing I also thought of when you were talking about the majors and minors right like what's really important and what's like a detail that you don't have to overthink so much about and you mentioned sleep so I want to dive into that can we talk about sleep and how that ties to your goals because I that's one of the things I struggle with the most I don't know I I don't consider myself a night owl but I end up Sometimes like I'm really hooked into a book and then I end up staying at like last night, I was finishing a Colleen Hoover book called Ugly Love and I was just like in it. And then I was like, I can't stop now. And so I ended up not going to bed until 2 a.m. because it was just like a fun moment. But I know that sleep impacts our body so much. So I try my best to be mindful with it. And I have an aura ring. So I get a sleep score every day now. And it's helped me also become more aware of how does my body respond two different things like to if I drink alcohol to if I sleep later or earlier etc and I think that's helped me with the accountability a bit but I want to hear from you your tips for sleep and just really the importance of it
1: yeah first of all that is like the most wholesome thing I've ever heard I love that you like (laughs) just stayed up reading a book like I wish we all did that more often um it was so good I think there's a lot of perspectives to speak To this from where my interest in it originated was in from performance, because I always come from that performance background and sleep when Mm -hmm. I was uh, when I was training and doing an international level, it was the most important thing Like I needed eight to nine hours. And it didn't matter if I wasn't tired, like I needed it because there's just a ridiculous amount of body of work that shows that you performance will be so much higher with eight to nine hours of sleep every night. Um, But moving away from performance based, because we're not all, you know, trying to sleep so that we can do like, you know, athletic things. We just want to feel good. Um, But from a body composition standpoint, to go back to that when we don't get enough sleep, it it impacts our stress levels, our cortisol, especially. And one thing I see with a lot of women that come through our programs, just the cortisol levels or stress levels are really high. And there's also a lot of studies that show a correlation between stubborn body fat and high cortisol levels. So we need to be doing everything we can to regulate our hormones, nutrition and exercise for the most part, unless you have a medical, anything, you know, outside of those things. those things can help regulate your hormones really well. So, um, it's really like a piece to the puzzle that people think isn't important, but it could, you could be doing all these things, right. You could be eating right and exercising, right. But if your stress is off the charts, you will be holding on to stubborn fat, especially in your belly area. You're not going to lose it. Um, and a fresh, uh, there's a lot of frustration that stems from that, I think from people. And so just,
2: yeah. And I think like, that's my biggest struggles because a lot of the times I feel like I'm doing everything. I'm you know, I'm lifting the weights, I'm eating the protein, I'm drinking the water, I'm trying not to overdo the caffeine, but I love the taste of coffee and matcha. Like I can't, sometimes I just want to drink more of it. But can you just like share some tangible tips for people who you've seen maybe have had high cortisol and how yeah. to reduce it?
1: Yes. One of the best tips I have this is based on some newer research is, um, in the mornings, when you first wake up, don't drink caffeine in the first 30 minutes, give your body like 30 minutes to an hour to wake up. Um, because you are, you already have naturally high cortisol levels when you wake up, I believe. And if you just have caffeine, something to trigger it, it just sends it off the roof more. So like wake up fully wake up. And then an hour later, have your caffeine. That's one way to keep things more stable. Um, in terms of like improving your sleep routines, I think incorporating, uh, uh, CBD can help. I know that helped me. And I always say also like the key to being able to go to bed early is like also exercising throughout the day and like kind of exhausting yourself. Like if you're sedentary all day, you probably won't want to go to bed super early. You just have extra energy. So even going on like a 45 minute walk, a 30 minute walk, like getting your exercise in is going to help you sleep better. Avoiding alcohol is definitely going to help you sleep better. Alcohol disrupts sleep like no other, um, Not that you have to like ban it, but just being mindful of that. And then, I mean, all the things that people talk about, like limiting screen time. I know when I need to get my when I need to get more sleep, I'd rather go to bed earlier than wake up later. Cause we don't have time for that in the morning. <laughs> and so I'll just get in bed earlier. Like what you do, like get in bed, like a half an hour earlier than you normally do read a book, do something to unwind, not on your phone and start to like train your body into like the earlier time frames and moving it up slowly. So like, if you just try to go to bed at 10 one night, when you've been going to bed at one, that's not going to happen. Right. But if you go like to bed at 1230 and then 12 and then 1130, you can like slowly move it up.
2: Yeah. I think that's all amazing. It's also something else I thought of is, um, functional mushrooms, like ashwagandha, like herbs like that sometimes can be really helpful too. Um, and magnesium Yeah, that's magnesium. helped me a lot, but, um, yeah, I think that the cortisol thing is huge. And one of the biggest things is the caffeine in the morning. And I think that's my issue because a lot of the times what I'll do is I like working out in the morning. Like I wake up, I get up from bed. I like you know, go to the bathroom, brush my teeth, get changed, da-da-da, and then I head to the gym in my building, but I kind of like the feeling of, I just had a shot of espresso, and I'm fired up, and then I go, and I hit the gym, and I am able to move through the workout more. I eat, like, a little snack right before, and then I have the espresso, but I, like, my intuition has been telling me that that's what's affecting my results, and it seems so small, but I do think that it could be that.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's probably never one thing, right? But if you feel like it's affecting something, one of the things. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I mean, like experimentation. I I encourage everyone to experiment. You know, like give it a try. And like probably the first time you do, it's gonna feel like crap because you're not gonna have that same energy burst. But like everybody's different. At the end of the day, like you have to listen to your body and and see what works for you. So I don't know. Maybe that'll change your change everything. Yeah, I
2: need to do the experiment. Like actually try it for real and. And see if I notice any differences. Because yeah. I feel like I'm doing a lot already. And it's mostly just trying to go to bed more frequently before midnight. And being better about like screen time a little bit more like in the evening sometimes. Because now that I'm working for myself, it's – I just – sometimes you just want to work until later because you're on fire and just like yes. in it. And then you don't realize that it's like 10 p.m. and you are still like looking at your yeah. computer. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that the night routine I love a night routine and in quarantine too when I was really into like just routine and fitness at the time I was going to bed so early like I was going to I was <laughs> like asleep by 10 30 yeah. every night and then I was waking up at like 6 30 or 7 energized and I didn't need to drink coffee ever before my workouts so it's yeah. actually a great little reminder for myself
0: But it's hard because
2: now we're like back to more normal life and sometimes you want to go to a dinner with friends or you want to do something social or you ended up working until late or you just had stuff happen and then it's hard to put this pressure on yourself too to like do that every single night and make it a rule. Very true. Yeah, you gotta have some it.
1: flexibility. It's yeah. yeah, and also like I always say, like if you fall off one day, just get back on the next day. Like if you let something go on more than two days, that's when it starts to like break down your routine. But a single day is not gonna break
2: the routine. It's just like yeah. get back. Like, it's get just back if it it becomes the new habit, then that's when you know it can shift the direction in which you're going. So. Yeah. I want to move to some rapid fire questions to close the episode. I feel like we can talk for hours, but this was such a like information packed episode. And I'm just so happy you came on the podcast. So let's dive into them and have fun. Like you don't have to overthink the answers. (laughs) So whatever comes to you. The first question, and I'm adding this one into the episodes for the first time. I've asked them throughout episodes before, but I want to start adding them to the rapid fires, which is... What's the biggest area of growth for you right now? Oh my God. I'm
1: reading Joe Dispenza's uh, The Habit of Breaking Yourself. It sounds like- Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. One, yes. You said it better. Um, <laughs> I'm reading that. And I think just becoming aware of like uh, creating who I want to be. I'm 30 years old. So I'm moving into this new chapter in my life, like my 30s. I'm like defining my 30s. What do I want to unlearn from my 20s? And what I want to keep continuing it from that I learned in my 20s and my 30s. So I'm being right. I'm being very intentional. I'm literally like systematically looking at my personality (laughs) and the things that I want to change and the person I want to become. And how can I create that consciously versus like, what do I need to like, let go of? Like, that's an old version of me.
2: Wow. I love that. I have heard so many amazing things about Joe Dispenza's books and I've never read them. I have becoming supernatural, but I just like have to dive into it. It's more science-y than what I usually read but it's so powerful, I'm sure. So definitely we'll check that out. And I'm proud of you for that too. And like being conscious as you head into your new, like a new decade of life. Yeah. So that's super exciting. (laughs) And then what's a mantra or a quote that you love or that you live by? Oh my gosh. I don't think (laughs) I have. I get deep here in the rapid fire. Oh man, I don't have any like... I, th- I could like make one up. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have to be like a legit quote. It can just be something that you tell yourself
1: or. I mean, I think I think a lot of my, what would explain who I am today is just my background in athletics. And so I'm all about just like trying your effing best. Like I put uh, everything into what I do and you you do too. I know you were like that. <laughs> like, entrepreneurs kind of have to be that way, but yeah, just like do your best. Like that's, that's what I think is like, you can't fail when you try your best because you're like, I did my best on this. I can be proud of this work, even if it didn't have the outcome I wanted, which is most of the time. So like, I think just that is something that I live by pretty much.
2: I love that. That's great. And I think that's very Aries and Capricorn of (laughs) you.
1: It very much is. Yeah.
2: (laughs) I love it. And then what makes you feel like your higher self?
1: What probably, uh, lifting weights. I feel really strong in my body. I feel like I look at my body for what it can do and not what it looks like. Um, yeah. I feel yes. powerful, strong, like I feel sexy. I think just, yeah, lifting weights. Like when I'm exercising, that's like my, that's my happy place that's when I feel like my best I look group.
2: forward to the like my morning routine every single day and I totally agree with you that's so powerful and I think that's really helped me evolve my relationship with my body is just wanting to feel strong as a woman and powerful and it's so game-changing totally agree yes love it and what's a book or a few books that have helped you evolve that have like healed you or that you would want to recommend to anyone listening
1: I think I already recommended it, but yeah, the uh, Brain Over Binge was big for me. Um, I mostly read business books. I -hmm. I stopped this year. I think I was going a little mad. Like I read like 12 and I was like, I'm I'm over this. And now now I'm on a fiction phase. So now I'm reading fiction. (laughs) Um, But I would say.
2: What's a business book and a fiction book that you like? Oof, Okay.
1: A business, oh my god! I there's so many. I think a really good beginner's business book is the Hundred Million Dollar Offer. Forgetting about who it's by, but it has like very good basic principles of starting a business, having helping people, scaling all that stuff. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Classic, uh, bestseller. Um, and then, uh, I I don't know. I'm really enjoying Joe Dispenza's work. It is very sciencey. I'm I like science a lot, so it goes mm-hmm. into like quantum, quantum physics and that type of thing. So say those mm-hmm. two very good.
2: What about a fiction one?
1: Oh, fiction. I just read um, Where the Crawdads Sing, which has that Netflix – it's out, the movie's on Netflix, movie's not Uh so good, but um, I thought it was really beautiful, and it's kind of like in a young adult fiction, but Mm -hmm. uh, I really liked
2: it. Nice. Yeah, I feel like balancing out the, like, self-development or business reads with the fiction is really nice and helps, you know, keep it fun and entertaining also. So I've been kind of reintroducing fiction to yeah. my repertoire, mainly romantic books from Colleen Hoover, but but they're oh, great. yeah, I need to get on that. I mean, you'll oh my probably God, so say, good. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna literally look that up after this. Um, <laughs> you literally
1: as like you're full time now in your business. Like we can really drive ourselves mad with them. Yeah. We work more than when when we had a corporate jobs, so it's like yeah, balancing that out with something that's gonna like feel good <laughs> and like, get your brain away from like what you're trying to build is like I wish I realized that sooner
2: yeah no exactly like adding those bits of fun to the day as well is is huge and having something to look forward to because when you're like hooked into a fiction story you just like want to know what happens yeah and I feel like it's like an exciting feeling and then the last yeah. rapid fire is if someone didn't hear anything from this episode and they just heard this part what would you want to leave them with lift weights <laughs> that's it <laughs> start lifting weights baby
1: yeah, girl. Get that. Get yeah, that's game
2: changing. Yes. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This has been incredible. Please share where people can find you, follow you, or work with you.
1: Yeah, they can go to petitepower.com. That's like petite, P-W-R, dot com. Uh and my Instagram is petitepower and also my personal Instagram is April V Whitney. So okay. looking up any of those YouTube is probably our biggest where most I'm mostly at. And that's April v Whitney
2: as well. How long have you been doing YouTube? Since 2017. Okay, amazing. Everyone go follow April, go check out Petite Power and I'll have all of that linked in the description as well. So thank you to everyone listening and thank you to you, April. This has been amazing and I'll see you guys on the next episode. Bye. (laughs)
0: Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say.